everyone. Welcome back to Co-Creating Wellness, proudly brought to you by Aura Health. I'm Gabriel Pereira. Co-Creating Wellness is a platform for change for a new generation of health enthusiasts. Together, we'll explore ways that we can create agency and power around our health and the health of our planet. Hey guys, welcome back to Co-Creating Wellness. This is a very unique episode where we're doing almost like a webinar style conversation with Anthony Kalouris, who is a naturopath who I've known for the better part of 20 years, who's had around about 28 years of clinical practice. She is, as you'll hear in this conversation with Bronte Lucia, our technical manager, one of Sydney, if not Australia's leading naturopathic experts in women's health with a specific focus on hormonal health. This, of course, ties into our latest uh, release, which is our Hormonal Balance ebook, which you can get your copy of by just entering your email address at aurahealth.com.au. This is a really wide-ranging conversation, lots and lots of gems, I guess, in this, in this for you if you are either a woman or a man who is struggling with things like brain fog, low energy, stress, sexual dysfunction, you name it, all of those myriad hallmark uh, issues that we can experience as human beings when our hormones are not necessarily 100% in balance. I loved the conversation. I thought um, I thought it was really insightful and, and you'll get a sense of the beautiful energy from Anthea, both as a person and as a practitioner as you listen to the conversation. Hope you love it as much as we did. Um, as always, please don't forget to give us a review on your favorite podcast podcast app on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on our website, or wherever you wherever you consume our content. Thanks again for the support, and please enjoy this special episode with Anthea Kalouris. Anthea Bronte, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. This is our first co-creating wellness webinar, Bronte. Yes, it is. is very exciting. And, and it's part of a, 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 a bookended set with this incredible ebook that we've collaborated on with Anthea around restoring hormonal balance. Yes, it was really nice to um, co-produce actually and you know, pull out what's really important information. I was thinking of a lot of my patients as I was um, pulling out the information as what do they really need to know, improve their health literacy so then it feel more empowered to take care of their health. I, I love that. Um, I love that terminology, health literacy. Mm. Talk, talk to us about this. I, want, I mean, we want to dig into your background because this is not just let's tackle a clinical condition. This is let's learn about you. Let's talk about your practice in particular. Um, oh, how does how does this concept of health literacy weave into your personal narrative? Yeah, I think it's it's the thing that I think that I offer have been offering my patients for the last, last 28 years and I think it's very reflective of my personality of wanting to do things really well. Yeah. Um, not to be hyper vigilant or hyper controlled or hyper perfect when I say that, though there's history of that. Um, that I, I think a lot of patients come so bewildered and in this space of mystery with chronic ongoing persistent symptoms. Yep. 
and I want them to know how things work. I can't just be the bearer of information. So for me, I give a lot, I prepare a lot, I share a lot, I discuss a lot. They, we have a really good co-collaboration when it comes to addressing their underlying causes and contributing factors. I want them to understand it because yeah. most of the time they come along and they don't know how things work. They yeah. don't know what impacts what. Well, it's interesting because that that's really the situation for most of us in modern life now, right? We treat mm-hmm. our treat our bodies the same way we treat our cars. You know, there's there's computers now in most cars. Most of us wouldn't know how to how to do anything with the engine. We're lucky if we can change the tire. Yeah. Well, there's so many factors to keep up with these days as well, isn't there? Right. Right. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people don't think like us practitioners holistically, natural health practitioners. So, because everything is broken down to these simple things. You have this, you take this, you get this, do that. Symptom-based, reductionist. Exactly. Whereas I'm like, no, expand. And I think this is such a good thing that I want them to fall in love with that. Like I have on my newsletter every week, a new definition of holistic healing to keep me accountable as well. Because it's so good that we've got all these different levers that influence disease and influence health and healing. How cool is that? Mm. So it's, I'm always looking at all the possibilities and never just this one underlying cause because there isn't one underlying cause and not when someone's got chronic ongoing persistent symptoms. There are multiple factors that have come into play. And then what I love is meeting all those parts, whether it's emotional, whether it's unmet parts of themselves that need addressing, whether it's something that they're doing with diet and lifestyle and bringing them into light and helping integrate that into the whole and I think also is having a conversation with all those different parts and really getting up close and personal with those parts that influence how you think and feel. And with parts, I mean feelings, symptoms, how we self-care, health care, et cetera. Yeah, the totality of it. So but how did, I guess, your philosophy and your approach to healing in a natural way is incredible. And, and I know you've had this, I can't believe because you don't look older than 28. You've had this 28 career, oh 28 year, year career. <laughs> um, how did you how did you get into natural medicine? I know you may have told this story before, but I know people listening will be absolutely fascinated. Um, I so I grew up Greek Cypriot background, so I was exposed to Mediterranean diet and yep. also herbs. I was even just telling my partner Paul about this. It's like it wasn't a thing that you. It wasn't so witchy-poo and magical in that sense. I didn't realise. It's not until later you think, actually, hold on one moment. Yeah. You know, we were, you know, given aniseed and chamomile and things to, to take Sage on this tea. world. Exactly. And yeah. we, and we grew ourselves and we ate food. Yeah. It was just normal. We ate weeds, bitter weeds. We didn't know what weeds were. We just thought they were green things that you ate that were in salad. And then also I found a book on my parents' bookshelf. I've told this story a thousand times. So for anyone listening, I'm so sorry, but it's no, a good God. story. It, the book was called How to Get Well by a, a Pavo Areola. Right. And he was a naturopathic physician. It's old, such an old book. It was, I think it was published in the year that I was born, 1971. So I am really how old I am. <laughs> and... and 
it astonished me. I don't know what it was. I just thought that's what I need to do and be. And that's then I proceeded forward and we had a family naturopath. Um, she was a family friend and she, I became her um, intern while I was studying naturopathy and I started at the age of 18 or 19 and then finished and then thought I could just have a clinic and see seven patients a day, five days a week. It's not how it goes, as no, we all know. No. Um, but I was really persistent and consistent and it was just in my blood. I just, that's what I had to do. Yeah. That's just what I wanted to do and I wanted to be of service and help people. And I really, when I say this, I had my knickers in a knot. I really did about how we self-care and healthcare, even at such a young age. I don't know why I just had it. Incredible. There. I love that. I was lucky that I was able to have it cultivated as well. Yeah. So your your family was supported by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. amazing. Yeah, which is good. And then. And then it just grew and I, I think it was an era before social media, before like, you know, we were writing in handwriting in patient files and folders. It's not the technology that we have now. And then I um, really persistent and consistent. It was really hard to start a business. Who, what were we to know? Except that I had really, unbeknownst to me, smartly positioned myself in an area in the eastern suburbs where a lot of people would come here. I had a really beautiful clinic. You do. It was visually yeah. beautiful, visually attractive, and people were really intrigued. There weren't as many naturopaths around when I started. Um, and I just was at it and at it and at it and at it. And then I created a brand and then that exposed me more to more people and I created a shop prompt because it's what you did bricks and mortar yep. so people saw what we were doing and the theater of making herbs and teas and I remember, I was, I remember walking into your clinic yeah uh, as we were discussing you know, a month or two ago some I don't know 15 odd years ago and and you were you were the famous Anthea, of course, and I was I was oh brand God. I was brand new to the industry, I think. And so I, I just... don't see it that way. <laughs> anyway, thank you. <laughs> and I was just like awed by the aesthetic of the place. Hmm. Um, and I think that's something that really struck me. Like everything you do has this, and you can see it in your surroundings just on screen. Hmm. Everything yeah. you do has this real sense of precision and beauty to it. Um, hmm. Where does that come from? Is that just your personality? I think so. Maybe if anyone's into astrology, maybe it is my Libran personality. There you go. So I'm a Libran as well. Always starting balance. Bronte, what star sign are you? I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> I have a friend who's a Capricorn and I love her dearly. So <laughs> there's not many Capricorns that I know. So. Well, we seem to um, I, I, Aesthetics are really important to me. What was that? We seem to get along with the Librans very well. Good. I think so. Yeah. But, yeah, aesthetics are important and it's just not about the veneer of what something should look like. Right. It has to be beautiful on the inside as well. And so, yeah, I don't know where that came from within me. I just put it down. I'm just the Libran. Yeah. <laughs> we oh. like aesthetics good I love it. I love it. We're going to talk yeah. about hormonal balance, and and mm -hmm. I know Bronte, you've you've taken a particular angle on this, which is stress induced and stress related hormonal imbalances. 
Yeah. Anthea, from what I understand of your practice, this, this makes up a significant part of the type of patients you see. Hugely. So, Bronte, thank you so much because this is a big area of love for me particularly and I think because I've experienced huge stress and I, I knew how that was impacting me. It's what I see day in, day out and it's I always like to put the lens of the nervous system on top of, in front of everything that I see, because I think it's the nervous system that does a lot of talking to the different organs and body systems and impact influences our choices. Um, so maybe can I give some context as to yes, please. The, please. The, for people out there who don't think of it this way, if you think of the nervous system as a 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, surveilling the scene through senses, taste, smell, hearing, touch, vision. I think I missed that one. And we're constantly surveilling whether the area that we're in or the place that we're in or within ourselves, are we safe enough to connect or do we need to protect? And as we know, stress can be anything. It can be emotional. It could be some thought. It could be a memory. It could be someone said something mean. It could be we lost all our emails, whatever it might be. It could be an injury, an infection, inflammation that we, as we know, the body accumulates all that stress and we activate that sympathetic part of our nervous system, which everyone likes to call fight and flight. Mm -hmm. And for me, Why is that important is because it takes us away from our rest and digest, our natural state of being, our state where we naturally flow and ebb and heal and regulate. It's when our regulated state is when digestive system is on, we've got amazing motility and digestion and absorption and we are able to heal and recuperate and rest well and immune system is switched on. But in fight, flight, all that energy gets diverted to the areas that we need to help us survive and meet those survival needs of protection. So we fight, move towards, or we flight, move away. Yep. And with that come those emotions of frustration and anger and irritation and anxiety and what's left and what's secondary to that is gut health and immunity and because and, we and reproductive health of course as well right? and reproductive and that's why i like to call that regulated state rest digest nest oh, i love that yeah it's it, it's a really good way to help um, clients and patients really understand it and so if all that energy is diverted away and we're in this fight flight response to address this stressor mm-hmm. um we're producing lots of glucose lots of um, mm-hmm. adrenaline lots of Um, oxygen lots of cortisol to meet this stress and then if stress persists and it becomes chronic and ongoing whatever the cause of stress we then move into our emergency state called the freeze state this is a good state a great survival state but i find patients will be sitting in that state for long periods of time as well from i can state a fight flight to i can't overwhelm And that state starts to depress everything and dissociate you from that acute stress or ongoing stress. Mm. And we don't feel as deeply, we don't see or hear as acutely because it's protecting us. But everything gets really flattened out. Everything goes down like this. And so when I explain that 
to patients, whatever they're experiencing physically or emotionally through that lens of the nervous system is like, well, my job is to help position you into a regulated state, not fake it till you make it because we don't yeah. do that. It's about understanding that at any given moment, do you have enough resources in that rest, digest, nest state? Like, do you have enough rest? Are you digesting well? Are you eating well? Are you getting enough sunlight, sleep? Are you looking after yourself? So yep. then you can flexibly transition from that nice regulated resting state to fight flight when required because we're not immune to stress yep. rather than go from fight flight as the base up to freeze and back down again. Where do you start though? So would you start or is it, does it vary by patient? Do you start with psychology or do you start with physiology? Um, both wherever the road leads me so it's yep. whatever the patient will share so it, it just depends what they where what their starting point is yep. how much they're connected to what is going on as well yeah. depending on their symptoms so sometimes right. we start with the symptom that is visible and we just follow that little trail patients reveal a lot if you hold the space of safety so, you know, I'll bring in co-regulation if I'm regulated and that's yep. the best gift that I can give my patient so they feel comfortable enough to share because they have all the answers. I'm just being a good detective in a good place, safe place for them. So, so I love that concept. Yeah. Can, can we double click on they have all the answers because that's yeah. fascinating. You very rarely hear that said. They do. They may not realise they do, but their parts are speaking parts that might be, and a part in psychology could be, you know, an individual that might be, could be the critic that's carrying on about something that yep. is not right or wrong, but there's different parts that reveal different symptoms, different feelings, and our job is to really listen in and have conversations with them as a whole, but with the parts as well and drawing it out safely now, I try not to impose what I think is safe for them because yeah. that's a bit of a trick. I create a safe environment and I'm regulated, so I give them that. But what makes them feel safe? Is it a cup of tea? Is it a glass of water? I let them lead and then that will take us through. I'm also that's conscious if someone is freeze, they're not present, That's that makes it a bit tricky. Yeah. Did you um, take part in any counselling? courses or anything to use on top of your naturopathy or is this something that you've always had a natural instinct for? Um, I think it is a natural instinct but I think mm. because I've been there right. and experienced all of that stress you know I, I went through a, a monumental business stress and it took me to those places and I'm, I'm glad for it. I recognize it in my patients and um, I think it's really it's really important as practitioners that we meet that that you can give someone the best diet tell them to take the best supplements yeah. but if they're in a dysregulated state that's just another chore another job totally um yeah and so it's about that positioning i think is super critical and yeah sometimes i i, I think it's important mind body spirit emotions shadow i'm yeah. reading a lot of you know, making sure that we, it's a holistic approach. I can't leave the mind and the emotions out of this. What, what, are, the symptom, what are the symptoms you, you normally see? So 
Yeah. And and feel free, obviously, anonymize the the person. But you know what a typical person walking into your your practice. Um, they'll be fatigued. They'll yeah. have really low energy levels. I mean, I had a patient today that was swinging between colds and flus and gastro over an entire year. Yeah, it's so common, hey. So common. And so much stress at breaking point that I was the first person he actually told that to and was in tears. Um, patients who don't sleep, classic 2 to 3 a.m. wake up, they're not yep. sleeping. Patients who, yeah, anxiety is a big one and depression. Um, and, and also all the reproductive hormonal imbalances from heavy periods to period pains to PMS. Lots of perimenopause popping up because it's like, yes, there's a word for what I'm feeling. And, you know, we catch them at that 42, 43. Yep. Am yep. I going crazy, Anthea? It's like, no, but let me be your light bearer and let me tell you what can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Having, you know, me as a new person going through perimenopause is like, oh, my goodness. And so what, I consider myself healthy, right? What's that? What's that? What's that nexus between perimenopause, stress, and hormones? Yes. So we in perimenopause, our progesterone is plunging from the greatest height yes. down, crashing quickly, and that feels awful. And because progesterone is such a balmer and a soother to our nervous system and our adrenals, it's like someone's just yanked out this one tool that we had to cope with everyday stresses. Yep. That's like, what am I going to do now? And so things that we could tolerate before, suddenly we can't tolerate. Okay. And it's like, it's like you need to redirect. It's like all of a sudden, it's like, it's like you're in this brand new world of, coping how do we cope now then but it kind of doesn't make sense because it can feel quite maddening and I and I think the, the problem is because I consider myself very healthy in that yep. I, I am because I do all the things I, I walk the talk but I I like anyone else has I'm not immune to stress and I know how to manage it I know how to regulate my nervous system I, I just think God I'd be wildly out there than if I wasn't doing all of this stuff <laughs> and I remember my mum going through it and it was pretty um, full on I, I think there's there's a lot of stress technology information that we're exposed to and can't process it quickly enough yeah. I think there's a lot of things that are taxing on our reserves and when we don't have that beautiful progesterone which helps us manage that and then we're going through this estrogen storm it can feel quite diabolical physically and emotionally and so we're looking for those solutions which you've created the solutions yeah. by the way lovely support for the inevitable now, not all women go through perimenopausal symptoms or menopausal symptoms, but those that do um, is having an awareness, having all the tools in place to transition well. Yeah. Because women that come to me are not looking for hormone replacement therapy. They no. want to age intentionally. I heard that's a new term today. Like Aging that. intentionally. Um, so it's not about anti-aging. Because every um, every conversation I'm having, every book I'm reading, you know, is referencing perimenopause now. Whereas you didn't hear the term that long ago. No, 
I think thank you to people like Clara Bright and there's been yeah. some really good authors who've done who've talked about it a lot. And 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 also now women feel like, oh yeah, it's where am I at at this present time stuff that bothered me, I could cope with it, it was all right. But then it's like PMS. I don't know, Bronte, if you ever think of PMS this way, if you get PMS, it's always an opportunity for things to get highlighted that need addressing. Absolutely. And so perhaps perimenopause is part of that as well. Yeah. Yeah? But maybe, just maybe, these are things that we shouldn't be just coping with. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this thinking now, and and I've thought a lot about this in the last couple of years, actually, not that I probably have any right to, but there's almost a sense that a that a, a woman's hormonal fingerprint is her is almost as you said like her intuitive guide to how to live her life isn't it could yeah. you comment on that um i think so and i agree and women are either tuned into it or not and it just depends what else they're doing because i think they're realizing we can't do it all who said that we had to do yeah, it all? why do exactly. we want to do it all why do we need to fill up every single space and second with stuff? We're not tuning into being guided, if that's what you believe. I believe it's so. Mm. To do what we need to do, the things that, that because we're not going to do it all. I'm so glad people have written about this, like Oliver Berkman. Yeah. Oh, you've, have, have you read this book? I love it. Yeah. I love it too because yeah. we have finite time. What are you yeah. going to do? 4,000 4, weeks, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's and spectacular. It's spectacular. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I reckon it's a must read. I think so too. I think everyone should read that book. Add it to my list. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert says, said, and this struck me, I went to a seminar. She was speaking at a big seminar and she, the lady who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, yeah. those who don't know, and she said, what are you going to stop what thing are you going to stop doing that you love so much to really do the things that you really, really, really want to do? Because, yeah. of course, we love so many things. It's, it's, this, but... it's, it's the paradox of choice, I think, isn't it, which I think Berkman references as well, which is we've got so many options available to us in a, in a 2023 modern Western life uh, yeah. that, it, that it's, 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 it's almost it's too many choices, basically, isn't it? Yeah, and it either paralyzes people. Yeah. Or people are trying to do everything. And I want to linger longer and do things much more deeply, more meaningful. I don't want to do everything. I'm so glad I, I really got that piece of like now. I I want to be like at a painting for a billion years and go for it as long as I can. I, I and that's why I like, you know, the work that I do because I get to deep dive into the work that yep. we do. Yeah, it's not. In it's a not. Long a, time. It's not a little pulse interaction in, in the back of a pharmacy. It's. It's. You know. It's a very drawn out kind of integrated process, isn't it? Yeah. I love that. And we. I mean, this is not that it's coming from a place of personal inquiry, of course. But yeah. um, this is, hormones are not just about women. Men are, hormone, hormonal health is not just about women, right? Exactly. And I think we forget about the blokes who you know don't know why they're feeling sad all of a sudden or as you said earlier have suddenly reduced energy levels to what they're used to or mm-hmm. you know maybe muscle growth is not where it once was um do you do you see any of that in practice i see a lot of that and um and i and i see a lot of that because i find that 
with women becoming more and more in their light or in their space, men are probably maybe not able to find their own footing as to I thought this was my role and maybe this yeah. is not my role and maybe this is something different now. And I think also men who are think should be retiring and meant to be retiring, um, they there isn't there aren't these kind of different stepping stones. I guess women we're kind of lucky because we've got all these different stages and opportunities and I don't think men have that as much they could and I hear there's lots of men's groups forming around different topics and different ages um, and I think it's a really important conversation that yeah I think especially in this space of wellness because we see a lot of women in this space and not as many men but I would say I see 40 percent males okay really right same symptomology so still still the same still the same energy issues and so on same things yeah yeah really same things and um same emotions same amount of tears really i love yes (laughs) and how cool is that just when you think it's and you know when people cry in my space i think that's so nice they feel comfortable enough Absolutely. to find it. Like, no, no, this is the crying room. <laughs> That's when the real healing can begin. So, I mean, co- totally, Sorry. totally complex topic. But I guess let's let's move into and forgive me for doing this a little bit into day in the life solutions focused thinking. So, I a person, a lady. Let's use a lady for example. She's in her late forties. She walks into your practice. She's low on energy. Her mood's all over the place. She's overwhelmed with work and family. She's otherwise reasonably healthy. Where do you start? Yeah. Well, I get to know them and, and I ask a lot of questions and, and I allow them to lead as well and, and share as much as they would like to share. And sometimes if they don't know where to start, we start with their presenting symptom of fatigue. Yep. And then sometimes the conversation will flow into, oh, yeah, by the way, I've got this symptom and this symptom or I've got hemorrhoids and I've got mouth ulcers. And so then I write yep. and I can write and look at and be really patient, present with my patients or clients. And they see me writing. So I've got this really big screen. So I start creating little headings and we almost like start fleshing it out and it's like that process validates and honours all their symptoms just through me writing it and hearing it and it's like a a gathering of information. By the end, like we gather as much how you self-care, how you health care, what's going on at home, who's supporting you, what do you eat, like all of that. We, we gather as much as we can. We cover a lot. And then what have you already been doing? Yep. Great, fantastic, and validate and acknowledge that. What else can we be doing? But is there time and energy really to do that? And I always ask, do you want something to support you right now? Like can we make changes that would create more time and space and regulation of your nervous system so we can deeply heal. Do we need just some first aid at this present time? Or do we need to further test? Like do we need, so sometimes patients will come in with blood test results, hormone test results, 
stool analysis from someone else and I'm looking at that as well. Do we need to repeat testing? Has the testing been thorough enough? Yeah. I think what it is, I think the work that we do is to is to validate and acknowledge and make sure that patients feel heard, yeah. much more willing to be open, much more willing to be trusting, more willing to go, what do you think we should do, Anthea? Or actually, I need something for this now, but yes, let's look deeply mm. at the same time as to what else has been going on. So I think when patients see that they've got a zinc deficiency or an iron deficiency, and I explain why it's not just about taking supplements, we'll meet, bring up your levels. And it's not to bring up your levels so you can do more to keep burning out. It's about so we can find a different way of being yeah. that is more sustainable so you don't end up back here again. Yeah. So while we're waiting for results, I might do some really simple diet and lifestyle recommendations. Um, we might give them some things that will support their adrenals and their nervous system if I find that they're really stressed out. Yeah. It's so individual and bespoke. There is yeah. no one size fits all on no. in my practice. No, but and, and nor should there be. It makes it harder work for me at the same time, but it's the only way I can do it. Yeah. And, do you, and how often will you see these people? So they'll, they'll go away, you'll give them something to take, they may go get some more testing. How long is this process? So it generally? could be two weeks. It yep. could be four weeks. I don't leave it any longer than that. If there is a patient who's really well-versed, it's someone I've seen before but I haven't seen in years and they know the gist of what needs to happen, then I could let them go for six weeks. But I also have a full-time assistant that follows up after three days, after a week. They are Amazing. open to email me with any questions at any time. So I invest in that for them. I charge accordingly, yep. but I don't. I'm in constant communication. This is your life. amazing Heidi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's Heidi was away at getting married, and it's like you can't oh, leave. No. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feelings, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, there is there is a a, a process of collaboration. Yeah. It's, it's like, well, I think it's a word that you've used, co-creating yeah. wellness, yeah. And it's, I don't, I'm not a big over-prescriber. I prescribe accordingly. I think because I think I've seen so many patients that come along and just dump big bags of supplements. Sure. And it's like, who prescribed this? Why are you taking this? Don't prescribe. I don't know why I'm taking it. Someone said to take it. So I'm sifting through that stuff. <laughs> like less is best, really. Totally, totally. Quality. At least they, at least they bring it in to show you. I guess that's something. Oh my goodness, it's wild what people are taking. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you my guilty pleasure. You ready? Yes. <laughs> um, visiting people's houses and going in their supplement drawers. I love that. I'm like, why did you, why did you why did you buy that? What are you taking that for? <laughs> Isn't that the funnest? I reckon I reckon it tells you so much about someone. Yes, it tells us so much. Like, I just would never think to do that, and I think people must be in so much pain and discomfort and have. They're so in need of something. So if someone says take this, 
Whereas we're thinking drug interactions, cautions and contraindications, constitution, temperature type, where you are in your cycle. (laughs) So because I want to give something that works, right? And I don't want people to waste their money. But I think I I want to come back to something you said, which is if you're in that if that sort of freeze or, you know, just making it through state of mind, state of being, Mm. and someone says, take this, it's a great product and it's going to help you, of course you're going to jump on it. Of course. Um, Yeah, makes sense to me. And that's why there's no shame in it. It's it's really no shame because it totally makes sense. People are so uncomfortable and so much distress and so much pain. Of course, if someone says, this will help. Yep. And then they do and it does and it doesn't because they're obviously not meeting what is the underlying contributing factors. And sometimes there's some really good stuff. Yep. And sometimes there, there isn't. And 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 I and I think that's part of it as well, is when you're seeing the practitioner, you're getting that service of working out what you need specifically. Totally. It's not to pan everything that's out there. It's not just about practitioner only as well, because we know both sides. Yeah. Um, no, but I think I think to the extent product. that to the extent that someone can afford to have a conversation with a practitioner, just even to get them on the right track, you can save years of wasted effort and time. You absolutely can, and I'm I feel very fortunate that I have a thriving clinical business because I think. I think it must be hard by memory of what it was like to be a young practitioner starting out. It's like, but I know what I can do to help you and people are still buying things over the counter. And I think as the more you do it, so if any practitioners listening out there and you're really young, you're just going to be really consistent and persistent and do really good work and pay attention to your patients and clients with the utmost care and respect of everything and anything that they're experiencing and they will refer you. That is how my business works. Yeah. It is all through patient referral. Um, and, and yeah, and if you're doing good work, other people are going to tell other people about it. And, and it's not about curing. It's really about meeting where people are at. And it's moments in time. We know that we're not going to be there for the entire journey. Yeah. We're just, I'm just part of it. Sometimes I'll see a patient and then I don't see them until a year later. They weren't ready. And that always, that's amazing. It's so strange. Wow. I must have said something a year ago. It's not uncommon, hey? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think think there's this resistance, probably understandable, around paying for advice. Mm. Because there's a perception, I think, that, oh, we just jump on the web and we'll find a book and we'll follow an Instagram account and, and it's all there. The solutions are all there. But as we as we know, as practitioners, that's not even scratching the surface. And I think to your point, none of that advice is bespoke to you as an individual. No. And it, and it's, it's, it becomes even more overwhelming because then it you're does. in this forest of like, where do I begin? Absolutely. And- and that's our job. I say, I will help you find where you begin. I, I, that's what I'm here for. And I'm there to support and light up the path that I think needs some attention. And you, you do, as I said, you know, you have all the answers. It's just that you're too busy 
to tune into them. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah. You, so you're you're an author among your many other talents. Mm. Why did you focus on food? Why a cookbook? Yeah. So it was a time, it was 2014, I had started writing the book in 2012, and it was a time where so many people were eating fats, not eating fats, eat carbs, don't eat carbs. Totally. It was just like a mess out there. Yet, yet another area where <laughs> food is like, diet is like religion. It's like... <laughs> such addictions. And I thought, this is bonkers, like yep. really bonkers, because people are missing out and still they're not teaching this in nutrition and dietetics, still to this day, because I have a lot of different interns that come through source and processing is what it's about it's yeah. the quality of the food like you know the quality of the supplements yep what's in them so source means the health of plants and animals and soil and farming and it's putting the human back in that space of the environment and nature and processing source and processing is what food what happens to food at the factory and, and what happens to food in this end, this human body of digestion and absorption, elimination and liver metabolism. And it made just common sense to me that people were missing the point, creating diets for a specific symptom or ailment rather than what have we evolved to eat. Yeah. Let's be kinder to the environment. Um and I started off with we're omnivores, we've evolved to eat plants and animals, our gut biome di dictates that. And I don't want to get into it. My job isn't to convert vegans and vegetarians no. to meat. People choose what they want to choose. But I thought that at least get the source and processing correct yeah. because that equates to quality because we know how many people are eating well but still deficient. Yeah. How many people are eating well but still anxious and still taking lots of supplements? But I, what, I just want to stop you for a second because I love – that's a bit of a breakthrough comment you just made, which is I understand source really well, mm. but this the, the fact that our bodies are part of the processing step, that's, that's a fascinating idea. I love it. You know, and then processing – you know, it's like getting a patient onto eating whole foods and they can't because their digestive system can't process it because they're used to eating right. food that's already been processed out of their digestive system. And don't get me started on food additives and toxic chemicals that are yep. found in food. People aren't eating enough of the right macronutrients. They're not getting the right source. They're not preparing food well. So when I wrote this, I wrote it and it's actually been re- published it's, it's coming out again right for 2023 it came it came out in january like a fresh new copy i need to send you a fresh new copy got it um i wrote it and it, i knew it was never going to be a fad it's not like you know my friend sarah who wrote i quit sugar like people are going to yeah. run with that you know i knew it was never going to be that because marketing loves very specific acute things like that that people can connect to really quickly yeah i didn't write it for mass i wrote it for my patients and clients and i wrote it for me because i thought it cannot be this complicated so the first half of the book is all about source and processing i talk about food auditing forget about nutritional panel look at the ingredients of the yep. foods that because we know that carbs can be good or fat bad depending on the source and processing absolutely and then, and I am a big advocate of nose to tail and waste. And so that was a big part of it. The other didn't make sense not to consider that. And traditional cultural eating and then looking at my culture, then looking at other cultures, 
I love the work at Western A Price. It makes so much sense to me. And then the second half is just traditional recipes. When I released it, I'd been writing it before activated nuts and things like that had come to the fashion and bone broth and fermented foods. And I, yep. it's just the timing of publishing. So I couldn't even, you know, be a part of that wave enough. It didn't matter. I had to remember I wrote this for my patients yep. and my clients and I wrote this for me. And it's, it's the thread of a lot of the work that I do but I also know it's not enough. I, I love a seasonal health cleanse and reset, um, yes. reset, even though the word cleanse and detox is a dirty words. I wrote yes. that in my latest <laughs> newsletter. I never know what to call it. So to define it really simply, it's just a pairing back of stuff that we don't need, whether it's stuff that we're doing and stuff that we're consuming, diet, body of life, minimizing exposure to toxic chemicals, making way for things that we do need to nourish and regulate ourselves. So that's my definition of a cleanse and a detox. It's not about fads and fasting to the nth degree or purging and laxatives to the nth degree. Um, So that's another cornerstone of of the work I do because, and and I include a little bit of that in there, because we need to pair back processed food to bring in what we're more evolved to eat. And then resetting the digestive processes is part of that. Absolutely. Well, nutrient assimilation mm-hmm. is, is everything, right? Yeah. So health literacy and another one of your projects or your, your babies is Academia. Mm. Tell us about that. So I thought of it as I've, I thought of it as a time in my life. I'm writing another book. I've actually I'm always writing other books cool. in the background. And <laughs> can you can you I give us the topic to for the next one? Give us some hints. It's to do with nervous <laughs> it's to do with nervous system and it's about that honoring and validating the symptoms and feelings. Brilliant. Because people treat themselves appallingly it so upsets me it's like i hate this i want to fight this i want to get rid of this and it's like that little symptom is so golden that is the clue to so many things yeah i'm going to honor it thank you very much that it exists within you and it's changing that dialogue so it's the step before we plunge into the deeper healing so the, I, I'm really happy about that and the process and the progress of that. What did we get to? Academy. Oh, academia. So Am I saying that, that correctly, by the way? You are. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> the, the reason for that is because I've got lots of clinical experience that I want to share. Yeah. Um, I like getting things out of me, otherwise they they end up making me go a bit bonkers because they're always <laughs> circulating out. So it's like, you know, when you journal and you get stuff out yep. onto paper and I'm in the background at the moment. So the school is building with um, little mini masterclasses and little workshops and, and programs. Um, it takes time. And obviously you can see with the work that I've been implementing with the ebook, it, it takes time to do something like that Absolutely. super well and that it meets people and it lands well. And, and they're little openers and entrees before people can meet with me because some people maybe want to better understand the work that I do, yep. maybe 
it's not that people can't afford me. Of course, you know, everyone has different income brackets, but I want people to be able to get started on some really good stuff quickly and immediately if they can. It's really important for me to, for people to feel that they're not just part of a system that brings them in and spits them out. Yeah. Yeah. That they um, feel good about doing what they're doing and understand it. So is that is that a free resource for people or is that part of a program that someone takes on? No, I, I, I think I give away a lot of free stuff yep. in content writing and newsletters and what I put out on social media and a lot of free stuff and also lots of free consults for people who I, I feel are financially struggling. So, no, it has to be a source of income for me, yep. that one, that stream. And, and that's good for me. I'll do lots of free live webinars that, yeah. you know, that are part of it. Um, yeah, I, I'll be really honest with that stuff because it, no, it does I think I think it's, it's a huge investment of your time and energy, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as much as I love it, of course, that it, um, you know, I try to keep to 20 patients a week. My 20 patients might be someone else's 40 patients yeah. in that I invest a lot of time with my 20. Yeah. And the rest of the time is writing. Amazing. Mm. And mm. and your teas? Tell yes. Us, tell us about the new tea range. So I, I think many people know my previous company, which I had for 16 years. So I created a, a really, I think it was a successful it tea was. company that was served in cafes and restaurants. And unfortunately, that was my big stress that I lost that company to a new business partner. and. It floored me because it was such an identity, the business name. Totally. And then it was this realisation that actually I'm the business. Yep. It's so weird to be behind a brand. It's like, hold on a second, they're buying what I'm offering. 100%. And yep. I quickly realised and I thought tea is in my blood. Like it is, I love tea and tisanes and herbs and the botanical world. And no one's going to stop me from creating the thing and the, the means of helping my patients feel better. I see it as part of the regulation. And so I just restarted. It's not at the, it's not nowhere near of the, the, the amount of wholesale customers that I had before. And I don't want that now, which yeah. is good. I don't need to do any more of that. I don't need to prove anything about that. And again, I created the, these teas and tisanes for my clients and my community and the cafes and restaurants that were waiting on the sidelines for me, which is it's, very oh, cool. I bet they were. I bet they were. So nice. I'm very lucky, I have to say. And I'm like, yes, you can have this. No, but I think, I mean, as I said, when I, when we started this conversation, like it's such a genuine part of how you prescribe, mm. you know, teas are absolutely part of any protocol that I, I think someone walks out of your clinic with. Right. So yeah. um, just that very intimate knowledge of how teas work in clinical practice, I think is what sets you apart. Yeah. And they're really, they're beautiful recipes and yep. they're recipes that we know as herbalists that we make up a herbal tonic. Yep. They're pleasant tasting. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing that I make that is 
not pleasant in taking. I think bitters and herbal bitters are fine. That's one thing. And a lot of people thrive on those bitters yep. and love it. But with teas, it's different. Teas, teas slow down, pause, yeah. regulate, meet symptoms. It's a ritual. It's a ritual. Bronte, I think you just went to a tea ceremony, right? Yes, I go to tea ceremonies regularly, actually. It's just a beautiful opportunity to pause, like you said, and sit in silence and enjoy a beautiful cup of tea. Yeah. But the original, it's the original herbal decoction. I mean, it's the, the original extraction methodology, right? It is. So. It really is. It's so delightful. And, yeah. Um, I think I'll always make teas. It's always the thing like people. You know, because at the level I have it, it's not a business that makes money. Yeah. And I've, I'm okay with that because I actually can't stop making it because I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, an, it's a lovely work that I do. And I, yeah, and, and also for it to be that bigger brand, it would take away from other things that I love to do. And that's yeah. where I had to choose, okay, Anthea, there's only so much time. What are you going to do with your time? Yeah. With what you know thus far after 28 years of clinical practice, and it's like I'm going to consult until I'm a little old lady and I'm going to keep writing whatever comes forward for me to share whatever sinks in as a ah oh, aha of course i'm going to share that and you know how to make teas yep that's great down pack but that's not what's going to move and shake things up and really meet people i love it <laughs> what do we what do you want to say to people out there i mean if you if you had to give people you know a, a back, the back of an index card i've, I've got one here here we go um, in terms of things that they should remember about their health um what what would you what would you say to a to a large audience oh that's really big i think the first thing that came to mind was um really be kind to yourself and slow down and pause a lot because you're missing out on so much stuff that actually is intel it's stuff that is trying to tell you it's it's talking to you when you're not paying it attention and that honor validate kindness and that's why i had to write a book on that piece of, it, of course because i think that just opens up the world yeah to healing yeah i love it i can't wait for this new book <laughs> You better get back to writing. <laughs> um, we're coming up. We're coming up on our on our time, and I want to really honour and respect the fact that it is your evening, and no doubt you're at the end of another busy day. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I really have loved the questions. Really, probably the best interview I've ever had. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Seriously, good. I really appreciate it so much. And can I just say? And I said it to you over the phone. Yeah. You created a product that I would have created. And I'm not just saying that. I said it to you quietly. There was no one else there listening yeah, to that. Because when I came across it, I was like, hold on a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> Something. You know when these things, you think of these things and you always have an image and a vision of what you would create as practitioners, of yeah. course. And it's like, I'm so glad he grabbed it and he did it. 
it had to be done. And I, I just think it created something super quality. And you know, I'm all about source and processing. So I truly appreciate it. I would not, you know, a lot of people will ask for me to have conversations with, but I'm just genuinely, it's so nice to see something really good out there. So well done. You. Thank you. Really appreciate it. It means, it means a huge amount to me, as you know. So mm. thank you. Yeah. Lovely to see you. Let us know how we can help. Let us know about the new book when it's ready. Um, and of course, everyone, the Restoring Hormonal Balance ebook is out very, very soon. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. It was great having you along for this conversation. We know your time is valuable and we appreciate the gift of your attention. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and a review. This helps other people like you find us. Remember, you can learn more about Aura Health by going to aurahealth.com.au and find Aura on your favorite social media platforms. I'm Gabe Pereira and this is Co-Creating Wellness.